Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Off the Bench podcast. Today, we are announcing the start of a brand new subscription service. So for those of you who have been looking for a way to support the Heidi St. John podcast, or you would just like more content that's got brand new guests on it, we're going to go a little bit deeper with our guests. They're going to stay after and give you guys some special content. We're going to do all kinds of great stuff for just $7 a month. You guys can have access to the subscription-only benefits of the Heidi St. John podcast. And today we're going to start out, of course, it's Mailbox Monday. We're going to answer your questions like normal. My podcast is going to be around 20 minutes like it normally is. And if you are a subscriber to the Heidi St. John podcast, there are some surprises in store for you at the end of the show. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, welcome to the show today. I'm going to just start right in with your questions. You guys know the drill. If you would like a question answered here at the podcast, the way to do that is to go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. As part of the subscription service benefits starting today, my friend, Dr. Mark Sherwood is going to come on for the after show and he's going to answer a couple of your questions. If you guys are subscribed to the subscriber only benefits here at the Heidi St. John podcast, which by the way, it's very easy to do. Just go to Spotify, find the Heidi St. John podcast, click on the subscribe button and you will be able to subscribe to the show. Also, if you listen to this podcast on places like Apple or other streaming platforms, once you subscribe at Spotify, that subscription will automatically stream to wherever you are listening to the show currently. All right, let's jump right into today's first question. Abigail in Ohio wrote in and said, hey, Heidi, Our church won't baptize our son because he's not yet eight years old. We're torn how to move forward because it's a good Bible preacher church, but is this something worth finding a new church over? Listen, if you've got a good church, uh, I don't think this is worth finding a a new church over. There's so many churches that are upside down, crazy, wackadoo, weird right now. If you've got a church that is preaching the whole counsel of God, and they just don't want to baptize somebody who's under eight years old, I, I don't know. I wouldn't throw fit over it. I think they're wrong, but I wouldn't throw a fit over it. Also, I think it's worth saying I can understand to a certain degree where this pastor is coming from. If maybe they just feel like they've baptized kids before that were under the age of eight and they felt like they didn't have a good handle on what they were doing. They didn't really understand why baptism was so important. So find out why they won't allow kids to be baptized under the age of eight. But honestly, uh, Abigail, I don't think it's a deal breaker. Lots of things right now are deal breakers in churches. Uh, I don't think that's one of them. Had a great comment come in from YouTube. She said, my adult daughter begged us to go to the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter for spring break. It was worth every penny. Thank you for the encouragement today. You know what? I love that this came in off of YouTube because listen, if you guys have never been to the Ark Encounter and to the Creation Museum, you are missing out. It is spectacular. You're going to love it. Check it out at thearkencounter.com. All right, Maria in Florida. She is wondering about my statement saying that I was a Christian nationalist. I was wondering when somebody was going to write in about this. And uh, Maria, you beat everybody to the punch. She said, hey, Heidi, I am enjoying your podcast. I want to respond to a recent statement that you said that you are a nationalist. As I've been studying history this year with my children, I realized that many of our founding fathers were not nationalists slash federalists, and they cautioned about the dangers of having a strong federal government. Prior to the Civil War, most people would identify more at their state rather than the nation. For example, they would say, I'm a Virginian instead of I'm an American. 
Throughout American history, presidents such as Wilson and FDR have increased the power of the federal government, and with that came a shift to an emphasis on national identity. Would we be a more free nation today if this had not changed? Well, this is a great question. So, Maria, thank you for sending it in. First of all, uh, I will, I'm absolutely a nationalist. I love the United States of America. And a lot of people would say, you know, talk about when the, the founding fathers first put into place the rule of law and, and really cast a beautiful vision for what a free country would look like. So they might say, I'm a Virginian rather than I'm an American, because the American terminology was just so new back then. Uh, it's all I've ever known. I love this country, Florida, Idaho, Oregon, Washington, South Dakota, I don't care where you live. I love the United States of America. I think it's an idea worth defending and worth fighting for. Now, you to it to conflate the two, to say that uh, that someone who identifies as I do as an as a nationalist, actually, let me clarify, as a Christian nationalist, I love the Lord first, and then I love my country. Uh, I don't think that nationalism and federalism are necessarily, two of the same, uh, two sides of the same coin. And so I agree with you in that FDR and Wilson, and actually, frankly, now we're looking at globalism. We're way beyond federalism in the country right now. And this is absolutely the case with the Biden administration. It was true with uh, Barack Obama. It's, uh, it's true when you look at the World Economic Forum and see how many of our senators and congressmen and women are participating in globalism. That is alarming. And I think it comes out of a bloated government, right, which is federalism. So I agree with you that we want to keep as many things out of the federal government, the federal government's jurisdiction as we possibly can, and that more control needs to be at the state level, which is why I'm such a fan of the Fifth Amendment. And so I would just encourage you to continue to do, I love that you're doing your research on this because you're absolutely right uh, that prior to the Civil War, people would have never thought of themselves as being an American. They they just, they identify with, with whatever state they were from, but we're living in different times now. And I think we can be a nationalist without being a hardcore federalist. And so I, I'm with you. I think we need to have more rights at the state's level. The more the government interferes, whether it's taxes or uh, control over states' rights issues, abortion is a great example of that. Abortion was always a states' rights issue, which is why the Supreme Court of the United States overturned Roe v. Wade and kicked it back to the states. But you're going to see a continued push from these federalists slash globalists who want to see more and more centralized control. I'm not a fan of that but I definitely am a fan of the United States and therefore a Christian nationalist. Ashley in Oklahoma wrote in to ask about homeschool group safety. She said she recently suggested to her homeschool group that they look into adding a background check policy for all volunteer teachers. She said it was rejected with the reasoning of it being too costly. I then suggested pastoral character reference forms that could serve as free screening processes because we are a Christian group. The leaders again rejected my suggestion and said that I was over the top and making members feel criminalized. I believe this is a huge red flag and I no longer feel safe in a group that thinks character reference might be criminalizing. Do I stay and help try to change the group to make it safer for everyone involved or do I hightail it out of a very alarming situation? Well, a couple of things. Uh, this sounds like just massive, massive, massive immaturity to me. You know, uh, background checks are a good idea. And if you don't think that there is uh, there are bad people inside the church, you don't understand the church. If you think that everybody that comes to your homeschool co-op or everybody that's at your church youth group 
uh, is a law-abiding citizen, then you haven't been around very long. My husband was a pastor for 20 years, and I'm telling you what, we saw all kinds of things uh, working in the church and all kinds of people that come into the church. The church is made up of people, and people are broken. And so it's always a good idea to have background checks, always a good idea to have reference and background. uh, We certainly want to do background checks on anyone who's going to be teaching our children or having contact with our children. Uh, That's not criminalizing. That's just being wise and using discernment. And if someone's threatened by that, I would really question their discernment. I'd question their wisdom and probably even their maturity and ability to lead a ministry for children. I don't know that I would leave the organization. I think I would, uh, although I might be poking around. (laughs) I might be poking around a little bit. I told you guys that here at the Homeschool Resource Center, uh, background checks are required. We require them for all of our teachers. And believe it or not, over the nearly 20 some, well, more than 20 years now that we have been involved in either planting homeschool cooperatives or the Homeschool Resource Center, which is here now, we have had people apply to teach classes that had a history of child abuse. Uh, One time we had somebody that had a history of a felony. If people don't want their background, I always worry. If someone says, I don't want you looking at my background, that makes me a little nervous. (laughs) So uh, I recommend ministrysafe.com. You guys can look it up. You can get background checks through your local police. We've done that over the years. Although now the ministry here is so large that we have partnered with Ministry Safe, and we've been very, very happy. Everyone that comes here that teaches a student has to go through Ministry Safe training. So we teach them how to be on the lookout for behaviors that are uh, possibly dangerous or alarming towards children. And we teach them sort of appropriate ways. And I'll tell you what, you guys, it keeps you safe. So not does it not only does it keep the child safe, uh, but it also keeps the ministry itself safe from being scrutinized or people saying, hey, this happened to my child. I mean, heaven forbid a child should be uh, molested or assaulted at an organization like that. And then a parent came back and said, why didn't you do due diligence? Why didn't you check and see uh, if there was anybody with this propensity at our ministry? Now, that's not to say that everybody that comes is going to have this problem. You might be able to go on for years and years and years and possibly forever and never have an issue. But I always feel like it's wise to do your due diligence. And especially in today's litigious society where people are suing everybody over everything, probably a really great idea to partner with someone like Ministry Safe. All right. Next question comes from Kelly in Minnesota. And she had a question about a deliverance ministry. She said, a friend was invited to a deliverance ministry event, but declined. I've read the description on gotquestions.org, but would love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you pretty much exactly what gotquestions.org told you. So I went to their website to sort of check it out because I thought, well, what are what are they saying? And they're totally right in starting with Mark chapter 3, verses 38, Mark chapter 9, rather, verses 38 to 40. Jesus to John one day says, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me for whoever is not against us is for us. And they went on to say exactly what I believe. And that is this, that authority over demons is clearly the power of the Lord at work, whether or not the exorcist has a special ministry of deliverance. I think it's important to understand that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so I believe, obviously, in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And I think, you know, it's important to have godly counsel. The Bible says that wisdom is found in the counsel of many. We are called uh, specifically 
according to scripture, to have different spiritual gifts. Some of our pastors, some are teachers. Uh, I know a wonderful human being who really has the gift of healing. He's just an amazing person. And for some reason, God works through him this way when he uh, touches a shoulder that's that's hurting or whatever. And the way that God has chosen to work through him is really remarkable, but it is the Lord. And we need not put that label on someone else. And so uh, I just don't believe, you know, every... I, I don't believe that everybody needs a uh, a deliverance minister. I just don't believe it. I think that when you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, that is enough. Uh, and I and I wonder if in this culture that we are living in, we have forgotten how powerful God is. We are not very good at praying. We are not very good at seeking the full counsel of God. I think the first thing we tend to do when we come into situations that are um, scary or frustrating or tense is we want to phone a friend. We want to sort of, you know, it's it's whatever our our flesh sort of tells us to do. But we are called as believers to be controlled by and empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And I frankly just do not see a need for a church to have a deliverance or, or to be called a deliverance church or deliverance ministry. Every church is a deliverance ministry. Every pastor who's walking in right relationship with God, every Christian who is uh, submitted to the power of God and indwelt by the Holy Spirit is a vehicle for deliverance because that's what God said in his word. It's so clear. We are, we are belong to him. Romans 8, 14, those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The Holy Spirit will not indwell anyone who's not born again. And so the first step to victory, obviously, is to just place your faith in Jesus Christ. And aside from that, I feel like we're giving labels where labels do not need to be given. And frankly, a lot of what I've seen in the so-called deliverance movement is gimmicky. It reminds me of clickbait, if you want to call it sort of um, clickbait for Christians, you know. And we have already been given everything that we need for life and godliness when we became Christians, when we became indwelled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to remind you again, God's word is clear. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. It's the reason we don't need to live in fear. It's the reason we don't need to be in fear of sickness or death or any other thing that can happen to us. Because God says, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is ours through Christ Jesus. And so to me, that's the most important thing. I'm not a huge fan uh, of deliverance ministries. I'm not, a, there's actually, that might be a whole other podcast, but there are so many offshoots, if you will. Offshoot might be even the wrong word, but um, fake Christians <laughs> running around and uh, they're making a whole lot of money. And let's just be honest, right? They're making a whole lot of money. And whether it's the prosperity gospel, which tells you, you know, God, God's primary you know, role in your life is to be a jukebox and give you whatever you want. You know, the genie in the sky, we just pray and God going to give you that awesome parking place at Macy's because God just wants you to be happy. I just think that's garbage. Tell that to the disciples. Tell that to Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Tell that to Corey Ten Boom. Tell that to anyone who suffered for the, the name and sake and cause of Christ. Right, God wants us to be holy. We are to live lives that are set apart, and uh, we're you know right now at Faith That Speaks, working our way through Genesis one to eleven. And in Genesis chapter six, the Bible opens up talking about how God saw Noah as a set apart man. The Bible says that God looked at the creation that He made, and His heart was grieved. He was grieved in His heart, and so much so that He wished He'd never created the world. But yet Moses records 
that God saw righteousness in Noah. We are called to live set-apart lives. Our lives should not look like the lives of the unsaved. Our lives should be set apart. And so we should love differently. We love like Jesus. It doesn't look like the love of the world. And uh, my friend Mark Sherwood's going to come on tomorrow. And actually, I cannot wait, you guys. I can't wait because I'm, I told you today is the first day of my new subscription service. And so if you want to join my subscription uh, service, it's $7 a month. It's a great way to support uh, this podcast and support this ministry. Helps me uh, keep moving here at the show. But tomorrow, my friend, Dr. Mark Sherwood's going to come on for the regular show and we're going to answer your medical questions. There's some really, really great questions uh, on the show tomorrow. And then he's going to stay afterwards. So my little hour that you guys are paying for is called Happy Hour with Heidi. And uh, Mark's going to come on and I'm asking him about his life. And he has an amazing story of being saved. Just uh, God's brought him from a place of sorrow and suffering into joy. And that's what happens. That's the power of God at work in the life of the believer. So I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Uh, just, um, in fact, a lot of things about Dr. Mark that I did not know. <laughs> and in fact, he was talking to me and I was like, I did not know that. I had no idea. And it was just, a, it's a, a very friendly, very open, frank, honest conversation. And I think you guys will be blessed by it because God wants to, God wants to work in your life. So that is all that I have time for today. Uh, I, re- I want to encourage you, if you've got questions for me, as always, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. And if you are interested in supporting this ministry and you'd like to hear more of the Heidi St. John podcast, lots of things are going to be available to you, inc- including for those of you who are subscribers. Uh, once we match up your email address, those questions are going to go to the top of the line. Uh, you can get early access to events that I'm hosting around the country And for just $7 a month, you can get extra information and more access to the Heidi St. John podcast, including some behind the scenes looks and some special offers that are just for listeners. Speaking of special offers, you guys will notice if you're watching this on YouTube, I am wearing one of my favorite shirts, Courage is Contagious, and it absolutely is. And you guys can find this at HeidiStJohn.com. Have a great day, everybody. And uh, if you're a subscriber to the show, if you're not, hop on over to Spotify, click subscribe. And then hang in there. You're going to hear some music and then you'll hear another episode of Heidi's Happy Hour here for the very first time at the Heidi St. John podcast. We love you guys. Thanks for your prayers and your support. Thanks for writing in. We appreciate you. And I'll see you right back here tomorrow with my friend, Dr. Mark Sherwood, right here at the intersection of faith and culture.